Hello, this is the Great Matt Guide coming to you on this crisp, cool first day of October from the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where we discuss and dissect what it is for us as God's sons and daughters to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, like Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer. This is episode two of a series we started last time, last episode, Filling the Earth with the Glory of God. It's called Filling the Earth with the Glory of God, Part 2. So, just for a little recap from the last time, we started off with two texts on this subject of filling the earth with God's glory. Habakkuk 2.14 and Isaiah 6, 1-4. I won't read them all in their entirety now, but I'll paraphrase the most important uh, phrase that we want to look at that really ties into what we're talking about. Habakkuk 2.14 spoke about the glory of God covering the earth as the waters, waters were a metaphor, as the waters covering the sea. And Isaiah 6, 1-4, where he was commissioned for ministry and he was cleansed. Remember the coal that was put on his lips by the seraphim? It talks about in the end of that verse that the whole earth, it's a prophetic declaration, would be filled with the glory of God. And then we began to talk about right away last time, kavod and doxa. Kavod is the Hebrew word. Doxa is the Greek word for glory which means basically, without going into all the meanings, richness, honor, goodness, excellence. However, the one definition that both words tie into is that this is not a passive word, but it is a word of action, where there is a production or a making of something. And that something or that production of that commodity would be glory. That's what we want to center on the making or production of God's glory. The next thing I talked about as his sons and daughters were not like the prophets of old, where God's presence had to come upon them, or they had to be lifted up into the heavens. We always can live and work from his presence. Why? Because Ephesians 1, 3, Ephesians 2, 4, and other verses in the New Testament specifically speak of us being seated in the heavenlies with Christ. So we work from the heavenly perspective. We view things from the heavenly perspective because of the work that Christ did on Calvary. The next thing I talked about in the beginning of last episode, how God first created the angelic hosts that were multitudinous in number, it says in Revelation, that they would give him glory and praise, and that they were first created because glory had to be present for him or for God to work. God never does anything, or works outside of his glory. So they brought him glory. They brought him praise. Out of that, Isaiah was commissioned. And out of that, God began to create the heavens and the earth. And man was made out of God's glory, you'll find in Genesis. And God never works, like I said, apart from his glory. We made that point a lot last time. Then the next point is that I was talking about last week, based on John 7, 37 to 39, I use this verse, is that we are called as his sons and daughters to produce glory, the glory for God to work in. 
In heaven there's enough glory with all the angelic hosts, but here on earth there's a lack of glory, and that's one of our main purposes is to produce the glory of God, of his kingdom. Remember, we're talking about the kingdom corner, the kingdom culture. We're to produce that glory here on earth that ushers in his kingdom and the culture of his kingdom. So John 7, 37 to 39, we will touch on that. Now on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers, not creeks or streams, of living water. Okay, rivers of living water. But he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed him were to receive. They hadn't received it yet, because it says the Spirit wasn't yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And we're talking about a prophetic anticipation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit would come, and we wouldn't have to have it come upon us anymore, but it would live inside of us. Ephesians 5 talks about always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, and that we speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs because we're filled with the Spirit, and that lives in us, and we give praise out of that Spirit that lives in us. Ephesians 5, 16-21. Psalm 22.3 says, God is enthroned on the praises of his people. In other words, he comes down when they're praising him, when they're glorifying him. He, his glory comes down like it is in heaven where they were glorifying him there with Isaiah in Isaiah 6. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know, and we're going to tie this in with John 7, that you and I as God's sons and daughters, that, that the Spirit of God dwells in us. And when he's talking about the rivers of living water, that's a metaphor for his spirit, okay, that we can let out, that we can let it flow in big rivers. Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and exist and have our being. It's in him. He's in us. He flows out of us. And that's where the glory of God resides in us and can begin to work out of. Now, I want to bring in another scripture that's going to tie in the glory of God with the working of his kingdom on earth. And this will be the scripture, Psalm 145, 10 to 13. 145, 10 to 13. This will be the theme for the Kingdom Corner podcast. 145 of Psalm, Psalm 145, 10 to 13. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones, that is your sons and daughters, will praise you or bless you. They shall speak of what? The glory of your kingdom, see glory and kingdom go together, and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory, here it is again, of the majesty of your kingdom. The glory and the kingdom of God go hand in hand. You have the glory of God, there is the kingdom of God. You have the works of God produced by the glory of God, there's the kingdom of God. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Psalm 145, 10 to 13, and that's the NASB version. Now let's read the Passion version of this. Everything you have made will praise you, fulfilling its purpose, and all your godly lovers will be found bowing before you. That's the sons and daughters of God. They will tell the world of the lavish splendor 
or the lavish glory of your kingdom. Kingdom and glory are synonymous, okay? They will preach about your limitless power. They will demonstrate for all to see your miracles of might and reveal the glorious majesty of your kingdom. They're revealing it by doing the works of God, which I believe in. we're going to do another episode, episode three. We're going to talk about doing the works of God and how that brings God glory. That'll be the next time. You are the Lord who reigns over your never-ending kingdom through all the ages of time and eternity. You are faithful to fulfill every promise you've made. You manifest yourself as kindness in all you do. So there we are. We're beginning to go back into this. And we are called, like we just said, as his sons and daughters now on earth to produce God's glory here, which brings his kingdom on earth. We just read that in Psalm 145. Let's go on to the next point. How does the glory we as his sons and daughters produce fill the earth? Well, a key is found in the last part of Isaiah. If you read that verse, it talked about Isaiah was there in the throne room and being commissioned and being cleansed, that the foundations of those angels and seraphims were praising God, saying, holy, holy, holy. Throughout all of heaven, the foundations of the temple, of, of the tabernacle that Isaiah was in, began to stress and strain and struggle under the wonderful glory of God that was beginning to just fill that whole place. This is being produced. It's going to begin to break out of that temple. Remember, we are the temple of God? Kind of put that together, if you would, in your mind and heart. Let's look at another seer prophet. Remember, seer prophets. They receive dreams and visions, and then they interpret them for the people of God a lot of times. They don't just declare the word, though they do that too, but they declare these dreams and visions and give them to people and interpret them because that's what God was or is doing. And here we have another seer prophet. He's in a vision of the heavenly tabernacle. They often call this Ezekiel's tabernacle, which in a lot of ways speaks prophetically of, of a tabernacle that may be made. Ezekiel 43, we'll start with, verses 1 to 5. Then he led me to the gate, the gate facing toward the east. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was coming from the way of the east. Now remember, the glory is coming. Remember, the glory is coming. And, and just think about this. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. Remember I said glory was coming? And now we have waters. There's a metaphor for the glory of God. And the earth shone with his glory. Remember Habakkuk 2.14? The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Verse 3 of Ezekiel 43. And it was like the appearance of the vision which I saw, like the vision which I saw when he came to destroy the city. And the visions were like the visions which I saw by the river Shebar, and I fell on my face. So he's kind of had this vision before. And the glory of the Lord came into the house by way of the gate facing toward the east. And the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the innermost court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. So the glory is filling your house. It's a metaphor here. Water is, think of the metaphor of water as being glory. And you'll see more of this here as we go on. So putting these visions together of these two seer prophets, Isaiah and Ezekiel, we see two things that have happened so far. A, Isaiah 6.3, the whole earth is full of his glory. And Ezekiel 43.2 puts it this way. B, 
the earth shone with his glory. Sounds very much like what Habakkuk said. Okay, and also we see, I could say see, that glory and water, water is a metaphor for glory in this vision. So there must be an outflow of glory from the temple. Again, bring it across to the new covenant where we are the temples of God. There must be an outflow of glory from the temple. That's what God's intention is. So how does all this happen? Let's review and just bring it out again. First of all, glory must be produced. We talked about that a lot in episode one. And it must be produced in such quantity that the foundation of the temple becomes disjointed. Remember what I said in Isaiah 6-4, the foundations began to tremble of the temple? And it trembles so much that the glory cannot help but escape and flow out. Remember, I'll read it again. And the foundation of the threshold trembled, Isaiah 6-4. So what happens? What begins to happen at the outflow of the temple? Well, outflow of glory from the temple. Isaiah 6-3, I'm reiterating again. The whole earth begins to be filled with his glory. Isaiah 6-3. Isaiah 43-2, the earth begins to shine or sh be shown with his glory. Number three, a progression or flood of glory begins to fill the whole earth. Let's look at, as he continues in this vision, Ezekiel does, let's flip over to Ezekiel 47, a few chapters over, and let's read starting at verse 1. Then he brought me back to the door of the house, and behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house toward the east. For the house faced east, and the water was flowing down from under, from the right side of the house, from the south of the altar. I hope you're catching the picture here. Water and glory, okay? If you're reading about water, we're reading about glory. This vision is a metaphor for showing forth the glory of God. Verse 2, he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate by way of the gate that faces east. And behold, the water was trickling from the south side. Okay, verse 3, when the man went out toward the east with a line, like a plumb line to measure it, in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits and led me through the water. Remember glory? Water reaching the ankles. And I make the application, that's enough glory to begin to walk in. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and there was water reaching the knees, enough glory to easily enter the spiritual realm and commune with God. That's what's happening now in the world. God's pouring out his glory through his sons and daughters, okay? Make the application, if you would. Verse four, again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, water reaching the knees, enough glory to easily enter the spiritual realm and commune with God. These are days when we can easily commune with God. The water, the glory is there for us to do that. Again, he measured, verse 4, a thousand led me through the water, water reaching the loins, okay? Enough glory, when we're talking about loins, we're talking about re reproduction, to reproduce in. We're reproducing the glory of God on earth. We're reproducing sons and daughters of our own kind because the glory and the works of God are flowing out of his people. Verse 5, again he measured a thousand and it was a river. Remember John 7, 37? Rivers of living water. And he couldn't ford the river. Enough water that he had to swim in. And I'm remembering, he couldn't be forded. I'm remembering a few weeks ago, there were so many heavy rains down in Houston. Like even a couple of years ago, it was the same thing. 
there was flooding all throughout that city, and people were paddling around in canoes and little boats trying to get out of their houses. It was just it was just overwhelmed with water. And that's what it's going to be like in this world, on this planet, spiritually speaking. God's going to give us that glory as the children, as the sons of God begin to exercise and produce his glory. So my point is, today let's determine to start this glory-producing process. You have it in you if you have the Spirit of God today. John 7, the Spirit of God, like rivers of living water that can flow out of you that bring life. Hebrews 13, 15, through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. Remember how we praise God, we worship God, that's producing glory. That is the fruit of our lips that give thanks to his name. It begins with praise. It begins with worshiping him every day, throughout your whole day, under your breath at work, being in an attitude of worship. And then Ephesians 5, 27, that he might present himself to the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she would be holy and blameless. So he wants the church to be that glory producer, to be that bride without spot or wrinkle that brings his glory upon this planet. So it starts with each of us. And next week, I'm going to bring you another lesson here, part three, on being a heavenly transformer. You're going to really get something wonderful out of that lesson, how you can be a heavenly transformer. So that's next week's lesson. And with that, I'm just going to thank you all for joining us today. It's been a rich lesson. Remember to hit the subscribe button uh, for the Kingdom Corner podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And my call to action to you today is break those dams up with inside of yourself that hold those rivers of living water. The world is waiting. The world is craving having the rivers of living water cover this world as the waters cover the sea. It was a prophetic declaration, and we will be co-workers with God to bring that on this earth, and we will see revival because of it. That is what I had today. Come back next week and learn about how you can begin to become a heavenly transformer.